good to be back in God's house this morning here at Porchlight Baptist Church. Glad to have this room full of people today. And uh, we had some good singing. But uh, do have a message today. We're back in our studies in the book of Romans, our Rooting Through Romans sermon series. It'll be part number 54. And we're going to look at uh, verses 3, 4, and 5 this morning, Lord willing. Uh, we'll focus most of our attention on verses 3 and 4. But uh, Romans 16, verses 3 through 5, and I've titled the message this morning, Priscilla and Aquila, Helpers in Christ. Here the Bible says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. We're asking for your help now, Lord, as we try to preach, and we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, with the help of the Lord, we're going to look at these verses here, these three verses in uh, this is Paul's recommendation or greeting uh, uh, for this husband and wife team who we usually say Priscilla and Aquila uh, rather than Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, it just depends on what verse you're looking at and actually what Bible you're looking at. We'll talk about that as we go. But uh, this husband and wife team, the first time we read about them in the Bible is back in Corinth. Now, Paul had just left from from preaching. Uh, I can't recall exactly where he was at at the time. Um, they were worshiping the, the strange gods and things there on the side. And anyway, he comes to Corinth after that, and he is uh, he meets up with this, this couple. And you see that in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read that this morning. Acts 18, verses 1 through 3. It says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens, there's where he was at, and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers." Well, right away we see some interesting things about these two folks. Uh, first, we're going to look at the husband, the man here, Aquila. Uh, that's not a, a normal name that we would ever hear about. I've never heard known anybody with the name Aquila. Uh, it says that he was born in Pontus. Now, Pontus is a country in Asia, and uh, it is uh, near Galatia. Now, Aquila was a, a Jew who had become a Christian at some point. It's not entirely, uh, we're not entirely sure exactly when he became a Christian, whether it was before Paul met him or after. And I've got some ideas on that, which I'm going to share with you. But his name, Aquila, his name is a Roman name, actually, or a Latin name. And it means an eagle is what his name is interpreted as. Uh, oddly enough, the name Nesher uh, is a Jew name, which means an eagle. So his Jewish name may have been Nesher. But his uh, his Roman or Gentile name, which just as Paul, Paul's Gentile name was Paul, and his Jewish name was Saul. But regardless, the uh, 
Aquila is, uh, he's from Pontus, and he's mentioned six times in the Bible, in the King James Bible. Um, and he, every time that his name is mentioned, it is mentioned along with his wife Priscilla. They're never mentioned apart from each other. Uh, interesting enough, our King James Bible, of those six times that his name is mentioned, it's mentioned three times it's mentioned before Priscilla. But three other times Priscilla's name is mentioned before his name. Now, you know, there's a lot of thought about that, and a lot of people that debate about it and wonder why the Bible would do that, because typically the woman's name comes last if you're if you're classifying them and you're speaking of them like most people say Byron and Mary. They use my name first, and uh, sometimes it depends on your family. Though, if it's if it's her family, they may say Mary and Byron, and my family they may say Byron and Mary. But uh, typically, in the Bible days, or the, the time of the writing of this, or in Paul's day, it was uh, the man was mentioned first, and the and the woman second. Uh, but Priscilla's mentioned three times before his name. Now, a lot of people think it was because she was on a maybe a higher social level than her husband, or that she had a higher, uh, not position, but uh, a, a more prominent place in the church. Maybe she was uh, more um, involved with the church, and so therefore they would think of her before they would her husband. Now, we don't know any of that for sure because the Bible doesn't say that. But, you know, we always want to know those things. Why did it switch? Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you're not using a King James, which I know everybody here is, if you're not, we're going to, we're going to grab the Bible you got in your hands and replace it. But uh, if you're not using a King James, then you'll find that uh, the names are, her name's always first, except for maybe two times. Uh, and you may have a note. If you use a study Bible, there may be a note down the bottom that says, the best manuscripts places Priscilla's name before Aquila's four times. The best manuscripts, they say. Well, they're not the best manuscripts. They're the Alexandrian texts, which they pulled out of a, a trash heap before it got burnt. And that's what a lot of these new Bibles are based upon. Uh, that, uh, that text there from uh, uh, Africa. But our King James mentions both of them six times. Aquila's name's three times first, and Priscilla's is three times first. So Priscilla, the, the wife, her name means ancient or primitive. Um, you know, that's not very flattering for a woman, really. Ancient or primitive. Uh, she is also referred to as Prisca in Paul's second letter to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4.19, he writes, Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And so um, the Bible says in our opening text there, or not in our opening text, but the text we read in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, that they had lately came from Italy. And then it said, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. So during the, the reign of the Roman emperor Claudius at that time, I believe it was like 41 um, A.D., uh, to 45 AD, I believe he reigned, the Emperor Claudius. And there was a lot of uprising by the Jews in a lot of these Roman cities. They, they would cause what, what they would refer to as a tumult. Uh, that's that's a, a lot of um, uh, busy activity or 
uh, uprising, maybe against the government, a lot of discontent. So a tumult, they'd rise up against the Roman government and cause problems. And so Claudius wanted to put an end to it, and he made a decree that all Jews must depart from Rome. <laughs> and so um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila were not removed from uh, Italy because that they were Christians. They were removed because Aquila, we know, is a Jew. <laughs> And so they were expelled from there. Um, now, although Paul had sat under the feet of Gamaliel, we all know the story. We've, we've went over it and over it and over it. Uh, the greatest teacher that day, Jewish teacher, Paul, we know, became a Jewish lawyer. Uh, very smart. Even though he was brought up in that and spent most of his life in school, uh, he also had a, a trade that he did so that he could provide for himself. So in anywhere Paul went, if he needed money, he knew there was something he could do. And so his trade that he learned was, was making tents. And what they would do, they would take uh, things like hair and they would weave it together in things and they would uh, make these tent structures out of them. And so Paul worked in this trade and uh, everywhere that he would visit, he would go and seek employment somewhere so he could keep himself up. Paul didn't rely upon the churches for, for money. Now, he could have. That was all in his right to do. Uh, the man of God is to be taken care of, according to the Bible, that you're supposed to take care of the man of God. But Paul always wanted to make sure that he was not a burden upon the church. And a lot of these churches were newly established, and so they may have been struggling themselves, you know, and uh, having to take care of their widows and, and uh, orphans and uh, provide food and all this stuff, so they may not have had a lot of money. And Paul would go to work as a tent maker to keep himself up. Well, this is where he meets up with this husband and wife team. Now, like I said, we don't know when they became Christians, whether they were already Christians when Paul met them there in Corinth, or whether they became Christians uh, under Paul's teaching. I personally believe they were already Christians. And I believe, the reason I believe that is because the Bible said that Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 18, verse 2, he says he found a certain Jew named Aquila. He found a certain Jew. So it sounds to me like he was searching for this man. Maybe he had already heard that he was a Christian. Maybe he'd heard about him and his wife and knew that they were good people. And uh, so I believe that he sought them out. Uh, whether that's so or not, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But uh, either way, they became very close friends with Paul. Uh, they were some of his biggest supporters. And they allowed him to stay in their home. They had a home, apparently, there in Corinth. And no doubt they spent a lot of time studying together the, the gospel. I can only imagine the, the church meetings that took place there with Paul in their house. Uh, wouldn't that be something? The Apostle Paul... <laughs> living in your home and uh, how much Bible study you could get and how much information. But one thing is for sure, Priscilla and Aquila had a good grasp on, the, on Christianity and the gospel about the things of the Lord. Very good grasp on it. Um, and we, we know that from reading the Bible because if you want to turn to Acts 18, verses 24 through 26... We see that they, they understood the great truths of the gospel. Acts 18 and 24. 
It says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So this man, Apollos, uh, the Bible tells us he's an eloquent man and uh, mighty in scriptures. So he was a very smart, intelligent man, uh, probably very charismatic, uh, was able to speak in front of people very well. Uh, his knowledge of the scriptures that he knew of uh, was was great. And so he was doing a good work, but he was not. he didn't have the whole picture. You know, he knew all about God. He knew about uh, uh, certain things and grace, uh, no doubt. But when it came to all the saving faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was not clear on it. And so he apparently wasn't preaching that until Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and taught him, uh, it says, the way of God more perfectly. That phrase, the way of God, is referring to, uh, it was a common phrase used uh, in early teaching about the coming of the Messiah. Uh, if you remember, the, the early Christians were called those in the way, the way of Christ, the way of the Messiah. And those that followed John the Baptist were, were referred to as those in the way. We know that Apollos got a lot of his information from the, the ministry of John the Baptist because it said, knowing only the baptism of John. So he was not familiar with the ways of Christ entirely. So Aquila and Priscilla, they bring him aside to teach him more the ways of God more perfectly. Now, notice that they they saw the potential in him. Instead of pulling him aside and saying, what in the world's wrong with you, you idiot? Do you not know anything? You're up here teaching this, and you're just going as far as John the Baptist? What about Jesus? You know. And so they did not do that. They saw that this man, he was sincere. He understood the word of God. Uh, he was doing a great work, and so they wanted to help him. A lot of people's not like that. You can, you know, try to do something, and if you don't don't quite understand or not do a good job, people make fun of you. They'll laugh at you. They'll call you a fool, and everything else to try to make themselves look better. That's what people do. They tear you down to try to make themselves look better. Uh, but not Priscilla and Aquila. They they did not want any recognition. They didn't want to be the ones in the spotlight. They were in the background helping so that men like Apollos can come along and do a great work. Um, they saw this uh, in him, and they took him aside, and it helped. It paid off. How do we know that? Well, look on down there in verse 27 and 28. In Acts 18, 27 and 28. It says, And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So those things that Aquila and Priscilla uh, taught him, he took to heart. He didn't push them aside. You know, a lot of people maybe would have said, you know what, well, that's fine if that's what you want to think, but I've got all my routine down. I know what I'm talking about. I learned from John about, you know, he could have done that, but he didn't. And uh, a lot of times we need to pay attention when people are trying to 
give us uh, help. Uh, we may think they're criticizing us, but if it's if it's good criticism, we need to take that to heart and say, well, maybe I do need to change. Maybe I do need to fix this. Uh, starting out in the ministry, when I started preaching, oh my goodness, I was all, I had all kinds of problems, and I was thankful for my parents who would who would tell me. And a lot of times, it's only those that love you the most that, that's willing and able to do it, and that you're able to take it from. Uh, you know, if just anybody come to you and say, you sound dumb when you say that. You know, if my dad said that, I'd said, okay, well, how am I supposed to say it? And that happened to me when I first started preaching. I was mispronouncing a lot of words. I probably still do. But uh, there was a certain word, if I can't recall it right now, um, but I was saying it all wrong. And I preached that message, and I got done, and I thought I did a pretty good job. And Dad came up to me uh, afterwards, and he says, Come here, man, I'm going to tell you something. He said, That word you're saying? He said, That's not how you say it. Uh, it was uh, uh, impotent. That's what it was. I was saying impotent. <laughs> and I still hear preachers today say that. But he said, That word that you're saying up there, impotent, he said, That's not right. It's, it's impotent. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I'm, I was embarrassed, but I never said it again. Uh, he did that to me often. He would tell me certain words that I was saying wrong. There were certain names. One name I was saying, and uh, it was it was totally wrong. And you know what? In in seminary, one of the the teachers there was saying the name wrong too. Uh, and so you know, um, if if you don't study and, and understand things. Sometimes you don't know, but when somebody comes along that's got your best interest at heart, listen to them. That's what Priscilla and Aquila had for Apollos. They had his best interest at heart. And the main uh, reason was to the sharing of the gospel. They wanted to make sure that the world heard the good news. And so they, uh, they helped him. Now, not only did they help men like Apollos and other people, they, they uh, taught but they also were, you could call them church planners, but they, uh, they were very helpful when the, where the church is concerned. Um, everywhere they lived, they held church services in their home. Now, we just saw that Apollos there, he was in Ephesus at the time. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila had left Corinth with Paul when he went to Ephesus, and Paul left them there, and he went on somewhere else, but they stayed. Uh, he left them there to uh, help with the church, the Bible says. And so while they're there, they meet him there in Ephesus. No doubt they were holding church services there in their own home. You know, they didn't have buildings that they met in, unless they met in a Jewish synagogue. Sometimes they did. Uh, but most of the time, they met in, in uh, other believers' homes. Uh, sometimes they met on the side of the river. Paul's first convert, Lydia, the silver purple, they were meeting on the side of the river. But uh, most of these met in homes. Priscilla and Aquila often opened up their home uh, for church services. We see that many times throughout the Bible. Uh, in our opening text there in Romans chapter 16, uh, in verse 5, the beginning of it, he says, Likewise greet the church that is in their house. Referring to Aquila and Priscilla. Greet the church that's in their house. Also in Paul, when he was greeting uh, those in Corinth, in the end of his letter in 1 Corinthians 16 and 19, Paul says, The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you, much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. 
so the Bible tells us, you know, that they've had church in uh, it's in Rome, as we see here, uh, in Corinth, and then in Ephesus where they met with Apollos. So we know of three places where they were having church in their home. Uh, incidentally, when we established this church, Port Light Baptist Church, it was based on these same principles uh, of the early church where they met in homes. Uh, now, they didn't have brick-and-mortar buildings like, like uh, churches are today. And let me tell you something. This emphasis on big churches, big buildings, you know, big facilities, they're calling them campuses now. Nothing irks me more than hear some pastor say, you know, on the campus, they did this. If you've not got a college on there, don't call it a campus. It's church grounds. That's what it is. It's the church grounds. But today, bigism is the thing. Everybody thinks they got to be the biggest this and biggest that. And so they pour millions of dollars in these buildings. Oh, we got to have these huge columns in the front. This large porch on the front. We got to have all these big, you know, and, and they're in debt up to their eyeballs. So what does the preacher have to do? He has to get up and preach a message on tithing and giving every other Sunday. You know, I know one church locally here that, that spent millions of dollars on their, their mansion on the hilltop. And that preacher, the one that was there when they first built it, all he wanted to do was preach about money because they were so far in debt. And a lot of people left. They said, every time I go in there, all these preach about money. And they even asked the members to to give a certain amount of money. And it was irritating a lot of people. And I know I've got personal friends that used to go there that quit because of that. Uh, but that bigism mentality, think about all the tithes and offerings that's been dumped into huge bank loans. And uh, these churches are constantly worrying about their finances I know another church, uh, a family member worked at, and they were so far in debt, they couldn't even pay the people that was on their payroll. And so they were going without even getting checks. Uh, you know, it was, that was their livelihood. They worked for the church, and they wasn't paying them. Why? Because they're in debt. Uh, it ought not to be that way. Church don't have to be in debt. You don't have to have all that stuff. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught to go and build buildings. Nowhere. It's not in there. But, i tell you what. Speaking of churches, I'm getting off the trail here a little bit, but just bear with me. Uh, this past week, on social media, I heard about a church. It's just down the road. Um, they were having a yard sale Saturday, yesterday. Now, this church is, is a pretty small church. Don't have many people, hardly ever anybody there, you know, just a handful of people. And it's always been that way, as far as I've ever known it. Well, me and my wife drove to the store yesterday, and we passed by this church. And I didn't say anything to her, but I looked over, and the place was completely packed. You could not get another car in it. They were, it would look like beeves uh, swarming that place. They've never had that kind of turnout at their church. Why? Because they had a yard sale. We know where people's hearts are. Their priorities are. They're going to look to find a bargain, but they could care less about the church. They could care less about it. All right, we're getting back to our opening text. In Romans 16 and 3, Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. There is a lot of things that you can do in a church. There's a lot of 
so-called positions or, you know, as I said last week, there's only two real offices of church, and that's pastor and deacon. But uh, some churches have, you know, other positions. You know, you've got trustees and um, uh, musicians and song leaders and a lot of things. There's a lot of so-called positions in church. You can do a lot of things and have titles and stuff, but the most important thing you could do is be a helper. Above all things, a helper in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said that Priscilla and Aquila are. Now, to be a helper means that you must put forth effort. It's not something that just naturally comes. Uh, it's not something that uh, you get paid to do necessarily. It's something that you desire from your heart. It's where the motive is for your help that's uh, involved here. Uh, you're not looking for recognition when you're helping in the church. All you want to do is make sure that the church is getting helped and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is being spread. That is what our purpose is. Now, a helper in Christ is someone that places importance on the reason for a church. Now, what is our reason? What's the reason for a church? It is to worship. That's one reason. There's other reasons. Let me tell you what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. Now, that don't mean running around or sticking gum under the pews. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And here he says, And the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So what a helper in Christ Jesus does, he wants to ensure the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, there is no truth outside of the Lord Jesus. There's no truth. There's no truth in our government. We are lied to on a daily basis. I don't believe one single politician, anything that comes out of their mouth, all they want to do is get your vote, get your money. They want power. They want prestige. And they will lie and say anything to try to get your vote or to be in the office to get what they want. There's no truth in the world. A lot of people are looking to the world for answers. You know, what's going to... What, what do I need? Well, I'm searching. I'm seeking. And everybody seems to be seeking for answers today. Where are they looking? Well, they're looking in the world. But the world is nothing but a raging lion cesspool. That's all it is. Uh, over in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says this. He said, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world... But I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You better believe the world hates Christians. They absolutely hate Christians. They'll hug the necks of, of, of Buddhists and, and everything else that comes out of the woodwork. You know, we give them special privileges. Oh, you can't say nothing against that class of people or that religion. Christianity is, is up. They don't care. Anything and everything goes. You can make fun of them. You can... Uh, do whatever you want to to a Christian because the world hates us. And so what does that leave us with? Not not man. 
We can't rely on man to be truthful. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 3 and 4, let God be true, but every man a liar. Over in Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says that God cannot lie. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so we know that he is the only source of truth that we can rely upon. And so what does that leave us with? The church. The pillar and ground of the truth. Now, how can the church be such a thing? How can what we call Porchlight Baptist Church, how can we be the pillar and ground of truth? Well, it's because it is built upon the solid foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How can we be the source of truth, the pillar and ground of truth? Because of these, these principles, that the Lord Jesus is the one that sanctifies and cleanses the church. He loved the church and gave him, the Bible says he gave himself for it. Friends, the church is the most important institution on the face of this earth. We are the, the literal extension of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says that he is the head of the body. We make up the members. And so this is the literal foundation of Jesus Christ, the only truth that's out there. Now, the world's lost in sin, and they need to know the truth. Those that are seeking for truth in their life, what is it they're missing? And what's my purpose? They can find it all in the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the only true source for that. So when the church starts looking like the world, when you walk into church and it looks like you're walking into a saloon or a rock concert, what kind of truth is that? That's not the pillar and ground of truth. The church is different. It should look different. Everything about it, the ambiance, the you know, the, the settings, the, the, the furniture, everything should be different than the world. That's the church. And so, but most of all, it's the people in the church, the members, the body. We are the ones to be different than the world. If the world comes into the church and they're welcome to come in, if the world comes into the church and sees and greets those that are members, and they can't tell that there's a difference between their buddies that they hang out with at the at the bar or wherever. If they can't tell a difference, there's a huge problem. Because we are to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Priscilla and Aquila understood this importance. And that's why Paul called them his helpers in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, you know, my, my deacons or my, you know, whatever. He didn't give them a title. He said they're helpers. Helpers in Christ Jesus. And not only were Priscilla and Aquila great assets to the church, but they were great assets to Paul personally. Look at what he says there in our opening text in verse 4. He said, Who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Uh, we have no way of knowing the occasion Paul's referring to. But there was some time, some point in Paul's life where his life was in danger. And somehow Priscilla and Aquila 
stepped in and offered themselves in his place. He said they laid down their own necks that has the thought behind it of going to a stump, laying your head on the stump, and the executioner comes and cuts your head off. Paul said, they did that for me. They laid down their own necks, their own lives. Now, we don't have any other details. We know Paul was imprisoned many times. He was stoned. He was beaten. Uh, he was falsely accused everywhere he went. Paul was always in danger everywhere he went. But from the unbelieving Jews, the Jewish hierarchy, the religious system, the, the Roman government, everybody was after Paul. So whatever this occasion was, we don't know. But we do know this. Priscilla and Aquila said, we're stepping in. If it means saving Paul, we're going to lay down our own lives for him. Whatever it was, we don't know. Not only was Paul grateful for what they'd done, but he says also all the churches of the Gentiles. Now the churches of the Gentiles, of course, were those that Paul established on his missionary journeys. You know, you got uh, Philippi and, and Corinth and Ephesus and all these um, epistles that Paul wrote to the churches. Those are the ones he's referring to. These are Gentile churches. They're not Jewish churches. There's some Jews in them, many of them, Priscilla and Aquila, for example. They're Jews that were converted. They're proselytes, converted over to Christianity. So there was many of those, but these churches were in pagan lands. They were in Roman uh, lands and jurisdictions. And so these cities they were in, they were pagan cities, Gentile cities. And Paul says that all the churches, the Gentiles, they're, they're also uh, thankful for what they did. Um, look, these churches Paul established in these journeys, he was their spiritual leader. They looked to him for all the answers. All these letters that he wrote to them, can you imagine how they must have cherish those when they had questions about doctrine and theology the ways of Christ what this guy came in and started saying that sounded different than what Paul said these questions they would have Paul said listen this is the truth right here so he wrote down all this and they would read it and they'd say if it weren't for Paul what would we do and so the Gentile churches were thrilled that Priscilla and Aquila saved Paul from whatever it was now this the early stages of the church they would have been struggling. They were always uh, being persecuted against. The Roman government persecuted uh, Christian churches. Now, Rome eventually became Christian, you know. Uh, but uh, in the early early days of the, of the New Testament church, first 300 years, whatever, um, they were in, under heavy persecution by the Romans. And not only that, the, the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, they hated Christians and, and churches. And so they were very thankful. And you have to also remember that most of those people were brought up under idolatry, worshiping false gods and idols, the re Greek and Roman gods, uh, lots of sexual perverted things that they had done in their lives. And so they needed to know the true ways of Christ. If it had not been for Paul, what would they have done? I know the Lord could have sent someone else, but he sent Paul. That's why he sent him to be a preacher unto the Gentiles. And what a help he was, but they're thankful. Now, one of the greatest examples of this, Paul's uh, a special place for the churches. Listen to what he writes to Philippi. Philippians 3, 12 through 17. We'll be finished here in a minute. 
Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. He was so concerned that the church was not misled. And like I said, if Paul had not been there, what would have happened? Well, listen to what he says, verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And so Paul knew these people that would creep in. One place said they, they creep in unawares, uh, come in under the radar, they're in stealth mode, and they have an agenda. And you better believe these people are still around today. There are some that want nothing else than to creep into church, and that's what they're creeps. They creep into a church with their own agenda. They want attention. They want their message spread. And they come in and they fool people. And they get enough people on their side. Next thing you know, they split that church right down the middle. Next thing you know, that church is struggling. That person got exactly what they wanted. Paul knew those creeps were out there. And he said that their God's their belly. In other words, their own selfish motives and ways. It's not about the Lord Jesus. And so without Paul there, these churches would have been like lambs for the slaughter. He wanted the church at Rome here to know that Priscilla and Aquila were not your average ordinary people. They weren't just some church members that come every now and then. No, they are the church. They protect the church. They are helpers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They do whatever it takes to get it done. Now, would to God that we would all be more like Aquila and Priscilla. Or Priscilla and Aquila. You may not be a pastor, a preacher, a deacon, evangelist, missionary, a Sunday school teacher. You may not hold any position or office or anything like that in the church. But I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt. You can be a helper in Christ Jesus. You can do that. But you have to step out, put forth effort, say, Lord, use me. Whatever it takes, I want to be a helper to the church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. Lord, I pray, and I know it's not falling on deaf ears. Lord, your word has went out. And it's accomplished that which you please. Lord, we're so thankful today for the truths that we have in your precious holy word. God, we know there's no other source for truth except for through you. And Lord, we're just praying today that Porchlight Baptist Church will be the pillar and ground of truth that you so desire it to be. Lord, that you'll cleanse us and make us perfect. And Lord, we pray that we can reach those that are lost. Those that's out there searching, Lord, and seeking that they can find the Lord Jesus, Lord, by something that we do, some uh, message we preach, some Bible track that we give out, whatever it takes, Lord, uh, to reach them before it's too late. Lord, use us. May we be helpers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.